Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench. Roy here with you until 7 p.m. And we have a busy day of sport to wrap up on today's show. Big double header down in Parky Cueve and two good wins for both Cork sides this, this evening and this afternoon. Footballers with a good win, the hurlers with a good win. We'll have reaction from both. Aidan Lee, he was reporting on the games for the Big Red Bench today. We will uh, be talking to him in just a little bit. A great win for the Cork ladies footballers as well today. They a big, big win over Donegal. We're going to get reaction on that. Joe McCarthy was in Mallow for us, so we'll be hearing from uh, Jersey Speaks uh, to the Cork camp. It's going to wrap up all today's action. Manchester United in the driving seat at Wembley. And we'll have plenty more besides. Listening to the Big Red Bench, Sean Cork's Red FM. Delighted you could join us on the Big Red Bench this evening here until 7pm. Manchester United tuning up on Newcastle in that uh, Carabao Cup final. Uh, Casemiro with the opener. Marcus Rashford's deflected shot for the second. 70 minutes on the clock there and uh, Manchester United certainly in the driving seat with just over uh, 20 minutes left to play. Uh, as I mentioned, two big games today in the uh, National uh, Football and Hurling Leagues down in Parky Cueve. The footballers have had a big, big win over Limerick today plenty of goals for the Rebels let's get a full time report from Aidan Leahy full time here in Porky Cueve Division 2 of the Allianz Football League and Cork have absolutely blown Limerick away 6-18 to 12 points the final score two goals coming from midfield in the first half Ian Maguire and Colmo Callaghan both came through to find the net and they both finished today with 1-1 Stephen Sherlock was in much better form today for Cork also he tapped over four in the first half and then there were further goals from Sean Potter the centre forward and then from Brian Hurley in the second half number 24 on as a substitution Connor Corbett found the net after two minutes from the resumption and then it was Stephen Sherlock who tapped over a few frees Chris Oak Jones then really came into the game he finished with six altogether a sixth goal almost came the way of Cork but it was ruled out for a very harsh square ball Connor Corbett who would have had a hat-trick if only for that as he added a sixth goal for Cork eventually right towards the desk it's an emphatic win for Cork here, an important win for Cork in Division 2 of the Allianz Football League. It's finished in Porky Cueve, Cork 6-18, Limerick 12 points. Did in a battle there with the Frank and Walters over the Porky Cueve PA. Uh, you might hear that on Green and Red with Max Blackburn coming up at 7 o'clock with three hours of the best music music on Green and Red. So stay tuned for that after uh, today's show. going to be talking to Aidan in just a bit, but uh, a great win there for the footballers. The hurlers had a great win earlier on today as well as they saw Westmeath. 221 221 points. Elsewhere, results from uh, around the grounds today. Burst of Lake Gold gave Louth a derby victory over Meath today, 115 to 112 in the Allianz Football League. Ross Commons long and beaten run in Division 1 is over. They lost out to Mon in 11 points to 4. The All Ireland Senior Hurling Champions Limerick have beaten Galway 24 points to 19 in Division 1A of the Allianz Hurling League, while Claire hammered Wexford 625 to 118 in Division 1B. 
Waterford saw off Antrim 122 to 17 points at Fraher Field and at Moore Park Kilkenny beat Leash 34 points to 118 as I mentioned it's uh, Manchester United to Newcastle 72 minutes on the clock there and uh, we'll get you a report on that one in a bit elsewhere today in the Lidl Ladies National Football League Cork big winners today over Donegal uh, and uh, a great win uh, for the Rebels as uh, they won 5-11 to a point so Cork back to winning ways in Division 1 uh, Galway beating Waterford 10 points to 5 in Dungarvan in the Premier League today Tottenham beating Chelsea Ryan Bromelow was watching this one it's finished Spurs 2 Chelsea nil. Tottenham take advantage on a weekend where two of the top four hopefuls have their sights on the Carabao Cup final both goals in the second half skip with an outlandish strike just after the interval and then Kane in the closing stages capped off a comfortable win for spares for Graham Potter it's still just one win since the turn of the year the only upturn in luck Hakim Ziyech had his red card rescinded for a grab at Royale the final score at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium Spurs 2 Chelsea nil. Yeah, so Graham Potter certainly in massive, massive trouble there as Chelsea boss. They've won just two of their last 15 top flight games. They're 14 points off the Champions League spots. He says they 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 have to improve quickly. He knows it. Everyone knows it. Graham Potter certainly knows it. I think whenever you hear those results, I know the responsibility. They're not good enough for this club. They're not good enough for us. We're, we're not happy with them. Um, we have to understand the moment we're in, but at the same time, I take full responsibility for those for those results. Will he still be in charge for their next game? Ooh, that's a shocking, shocking run of form. Two wins in the last 15, 15 top flight matches. Celtic beating Rangers two goals to one today in the Scottish League Cup final. Kyogo Funahashi with the uh, goals there for Celtic uh, in the uh, first half and the second half. So uh, a good day out there for Celtic at Hamden. Uh, elsewhere today and in basketball, super stuff today. The address UCC Glamour are back to back Super League champions. They've beaten Waterford Wildcats at the Maradak Arena today 90 points to 67 they've clinched uh, the title for the second year in a row so massive congratulations indeed to everybody involved uh, with uh, the address UCC Glamour it's their 10th ever title and certainly certainly very very well deserved indeed Rugby uh, France have ended Scotland's Grand Slam dream they won 32-21 a bonus point win there for them in Paris in today's Six Nations a break uh, from the Six Nations next week Ireland face Scotland in two weeks time Manchester United going close with third there Marcus Rashford forcing a save from Carius but uh, United uh, Manchester United is uh, still leading by two goals to nil. Uh, finally in golf Shane Lowry is in contention ahead of the final round of the Honda Classic in Florida. The Offaly man is 9 under par in the tie for fourth. He's four shots adrift of the leader Chris Kirk and a uh, final round of 65. Saw Leona Maguire ending his high for sixth at the Honda LPGA Thailand. Six shots behind the winner Lilia Boom. Alright, we, we, we're we waiting to get uh, some post-match reaction from our Cork boss Sean Cleary. Uh, we'll get that after the footballers great win over Limerick today. I'm going to start though talking about Cork's uh, win over Westmeath today. 221 to 21 points, six point win for the Rebels. Going to hear from Pat Ryan just after we hear the full-time report from Aidan Lee. Full-time and it's Cork who take the two points beating Westmeath here in Division 1A of the Allianz National League at Parky Cueve. 221 to 21 points. Shane Kingston opened the scoring with a goal set up by Ethan Toomey in the first half. Shane Barrett netted the second after 26 minutes. Kingston converted a couple of long-range frees in the first half among points from Conor Cahillan, Brian Hayes, Barrett again, Cormac O'Brien and Tommy O'Connell. The second half was tit for tat. 
Cork keeping Westmeath in the game by giving away countless frees. Killian Doyle scoring 13 points, 10 of those from placed balls. Portrick Power had a goal chance saved after 52 minutes for Cork. One of three big saves for Noel Connerty in the Westmeath net. 1-7 in total from Shane Kingston, 1-2 of that from play. Ethan Toomey also very impressive on his debut, getting a point from midfield in the second half. It could have been tidier, but it's ended Cork 2-21, Westmeath 21 points. We're three games in now, and look, we're not too bad, in a too bad of a position. And if you'd have taken where the position we're in now, we'd have taken that kind of five, yeah. six weeks ago, you know. And then it was for management, it was kind of best for it was almost to get the win, but to have, you know, to be able to contribute into the players, get part of improve, and then support. Yeah, I suppose, look, look, we can take that from it. Look, I thought, look, in fairness to Westmead, I thought they, you know, they played some fantastic hurling. Yeah. You know, moved the ball very well, did a very good system. Um, that they use very well stuck to it obviously Killian Doyle was a very good player he couldn't get our hands on couldn't get our hands really on him at times got into good positions he got a couple of great scores um, but look from our own point of view look we had a lot of fellas that were making their debut today got a lot of fellas game time that were just coming back right so but uh, look there was a lot of rust in those fellas as well and it just shows look that you just have to be kind of maybe more maybe three or four weeks back into training and back into playing matches before we play any kind of competitive games so look we, we got, look, got good game time into fellas but look disappointed overall with the performance yeah, yeah, and I, I think to be honest, look, I think look, we, we've been priding ourselves there. Our fellas working for the team, and I think look, when you when you when you probably come down, you're playing Westmead, and um, you've a lot of fellas saying you're going to win this game handy and stuff like that. You know, I think fellas train in their own heads. They want to get a couple of scores and impress, yeah. and kind of get up the, the pecking order of, of the squad going forward. But um, look, we didn't, we didn't, um, we did, we didn't work hard enough um, for most of the game, really, to be honest with you. But uh, look, look, we, we we move on Tuesday night. And is Joe Minerick, is he, did he pick up an injury? George just had a bit of a tight hamstring. Look, look, George, George, George was playing a lot of games there with UCC and yeah. stuff like that. So we just took him off as a precaution. Do you know what I mean? So um, look, he's had, um, um, he played a good few games there with UCC. That was his first game with us, really, to be honest. Yeah. He hadn't been involved. We kind of we kind of left Joe alone with UCC all along. So uh, look, we were anxious to get him back in, but uh, look, disappointed he to go off there, you know. I suppose back today was an opportunity for fellas to. You know, get a, get a jersey and put their hand up and stuff. Anyone in particular? Uh, kind of... I thought Carmichael Bright played very well. Um, right half back, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought lots of fellas, lots of fellas played well enough, no, in fairness. But look, look, I think uh, look, we just didn't go to the ball hard enough, really. I didn't think we tacked the ball enough. And we left other fellas make decisions. Looking in fairness to Westmead, the person good pressure coming out with the ball and stuff like that. So, look, a lot of learnings there for us. And, and look, I suppose, as, as Dennis alluded to there, it gives us... Uh, a lot of fodder for the lads on Tuesday when we go back to training and wonder what we need to be doing and look it's very simple whoever you're playing at, at this level if you're not going to play with intensity and move the ball quick and play with a bit of urgency and I think we didn't play with that in our play we did you know, we had three or four passes around the middle before moving the ball in and something that we hadn't been doing all year and I think fellas went back to tight maybe a small bit you know and is that kind of a, a good a good thing from today it's probably the best thing from today obviously you got the two points but also Fellas can learn really you can't take anything for granted. Yeah, look you can't. I look I look I think I think from our point of view, it was great to have our fellas around the way we prepare for matches and stuff like that and fellas to be involved and look obviously we had you know maybe three or four fellas that were making their league debuts and stuff like that and uh, look delighted that they got that opportunity. But look look obviously you need to work a bit harder if they want to stay involved with us, you know. And I suppose the lesson for me is you would have taken six points in three games at the start. Oh yeah, look, we don't know, and that was, and that was, and that's, I suppose, that's that's a positive as we speak. But look, obviously, you take every game and its merits, and look, obviously, in fairness, that that wasn't a very good performance. But look, we look at it, and look, the disappointing thing is, look, you don't mind winning by X, Y, and Z, or or, or, or thing. But I just thought that our energy was low and our work rate was low, and that's that was a huge disappointment compared to the first two games, you know. Pat, just three games down, two to go. I suppose the objective remains to get to the league final, get as far as you can. Will we see the team getting a bit more settled, maybe? 
Yeah, sure. Look, look, to be honest, look, we've a couple of fellas that are away now at the moment missing. So, look, look, our plan would, would have been to kind of start settling on. And now, look, I think we've nearly started 29, 30 players in, in, in three league matches. And look, the plan would have been that we'd get, like, from, we say, the Clare or the Wexford and Clare game on, that um, you get more settled as it goes on there. Look, we're releasing the clubs back to their, or releasing the players back to their clubs next week. Um, so, they'll play the league games and stuff like that. Anyone that's, uh, anyone that's fit to do so, um, we'll play with their, their clubs next week in the first league game. So, look, give a break from us as well, which isn't a bad thing, you know. <laughs> and just an update on the injuries, Pat, please. Um, sure, look, obviously, look, uh, Alan Connolly is, is, is back rehabbing with his club. Uh, Marcus kind of um, hasn't got back um, running yet, really, so uh, we'll see where that lies over the next next couple of months. Um, everyone else should be back within the next two to three weeks. Sean, I don't know whose quad has been kind of a bit, it was a bad dead leg he got, so yeah. that still isn't clear. He's still limping around, but it's not something that's going to keep him out long term. But I look, we'd be hoping, look, I don't, I think that game will come maybe a bit too soon for himself and Hoggy, you know, um, the Wexford game. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, Hoggy, yeah, yeah, Hoggy's kind of yeah, twisted an ankle there last Sunday morning in training, so yeah. he'll be out for two or three weeks. Um, Robbie, Robbie Flynn is doing very good. Seamus Harney's doing very good they're all on the way back um, Darfus Gibbon is back hurling now um, which was in, in, introducing him back into contact on Tuesday night uh, hoping that Tim, Tim O'Man will be back on the field as well Tuesday night so right. look, they're all look, look, they'll start clearing up as they go you know so uh, Alan Cadigan as well. Alan Cadigan's, yeah, he's training away. He's done maybe two or three weeks, hoping that he'll play with Douglas at the weekend. Um, just this game kind of came a bit too soon for him. Yeah. Um, hoping that he'll play maybe a part of maybe get a half or 40 minutes with Douglas uh, okay. next weekend, and hopefully then that he'll be factored back in after that, you know. Yeah. Great. And just when you back the, the, the sponsor today, the one of sponsor, like, uh, I suppose, good to, to mark that with a win, and you know. Good initiative, but uh, the only board. Yeah, look fantastic. Look, obviously, look. In fairness, look. There's a fantastic charity, and you know, you know, um, uh, Carmen who works with them did, did, did a fantastic job. And look, look, delighted that Sinead O'Keefe and and um, look, Brian Hurley. He was a big drive of it there with uh, with the with the senior footballers. Um, so look, look, delighted. It's a fantastic charity. It does great work for people around the place, you know. So. Pat Ryan there speaking after uh, today's uh, win uh, over Westmeath today down in Porky Cueve and as he mentioned Cork Arc Cancer Support House uh, on the jerseys today a fantastic initiative um, from Cork GAA uh, in association with Sports Direct uh, brilliant brilliant stuff and it was absolutely fantastic uh, to see it but we've a lot of ground to cover and Aidan Lee he's been down in Porky Cueve all day um, absolutely exhausted after uh, sitting through two matches. Uh, I'd imagine Aidan tough work. I'd say today was it. Uh, look, I, I I can't complain with the job I do. To be fair, Rory, uh, you know, to be sitting here watching watching sport all day, yeah. you know, so tough job. Like someone uh, has to do it. It was quite a long day. To be, it was very cold. It was, that's the only complaint. It was absolutely Baltic here in Parky Creek today. I don't know what it is about that Parky Creek press box. I think it's because you're up so high and you're so exposed that even in the middle of the summer, like it's it's woolly hot territory, like. I put on an extra layer this week compared to last week in the Dublin game because it was quite cold and I think it was colder this week so I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> what to do with the next day when I come here. Uh, we have a lot to uh, talk about because there were uh, two uh, wins for Cork. Was that with the footballers? Because that was the, the one that has uh, just finished. We're going to hear from John Cleary just in a little bit but that's a big um, result, a big statement from Cork uh, to beat Limerick by triple scores and to score six goals in the process goals win games and all that and uh, John Cleary's side certainly went out and we're looking for the net early and often today Aidan yeah like I, I don't know I haven't had a chance to even try to look back to see the last time when the last time uh, Cork scored six goals was in a, a National League game or any game uh, for that matter but yeah the amount of space today and I asked John Cleary about it and um, I suppose it just shows the kind of mindset and the headspace there and at the moment that he 
just wasn't even worried about what Limerick were doing and was just more impressed with the fact that Cork took advantage of whatever space was there and like that the two goals from midfield from Colm O'Callaghan and Ian Maguire epitomised that you know the running through the middle right into open country and uh, every single goal was a fantastic finish you know it's definitely something that they're working on as a team because they were all absolutely rifled into the net you Colm O'Callaghan with a goal Ian Maguire with a goal uh, Brian Hurley and Sean Powter got they all got the goals in the first half 4-9 from playing that first half is incredible uh, scoring and then it was two goals from Conor Corbett in the second half. And he should have had a hat-trick, in my opinion, because there was a goal ruled out for square ball that was no more of a square ball in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> then it, it was it, it was a, a lot more controversial than the one against Dublin last week, which I actually thought was a square ball. Uh, but yeah, Cork just had so many chances. Um, and they took them. It's been coming for a bit. Like, we've seen them create so many goal chances. They, they created, you know, five or six last week against Dublin, took two, uh, and they pretty much took maybe 60% of them today. I think they might have had 10, really. There, a couple came off the crossbar. Um, a couple were averted, let's say, by defensive play. And, and to get six out of mm. the 10, it's it's not too bad. It can be hard to stay focused when you're that far ahead in the game, Aiden. I mean, like, how did the Cork players, I suppose, deal with being that far ahead against a team that they know they were going to win they were going to win against Handley in the second half? I suppose you always expect that opposition to put in a late push, try and make that scoreline respectable. But Limerick just did not put Cork under pressure whatsoever. It's really strange. Like We just spoke to Ray Dempsey and it's difficult for a manager to come out after a defeat like that, speak to a lot of, of people, ask mm. them questions. But the difference between the team, like their chalk and cheese from Billy Lee's team last year, albeit, yes, it was Division 3, they were always competitive in the championship, though. They were always difficult to beat, you know, and they're just the total opposite this year. So open, just no... Cork just were never under pressure in that game they, they won it at their ease like Chris Oak Jones tapped over six points it's probably the, the easiest day he's ever going to have on the pitch in a Cork jersey and fair play to him for taking his chance and taking all those points but there wasn't a glove laid on him and those four goals in the first half was, was kind of epitomised that you know they just did not lay a glove in Cork and uh, they picked off 12 points um, you know like that a, a symptom of the fact of you know the lack of intensity in the game they, they got some easy scores but to be honest they did go forward quite a bit and Cork were on it they were focused right till the end uh, some clever defensive uh, actions uh, by all back there like it was uh, spoken about you hear John Cleary and myself and Dylan O'Connell were in the press area speaking about it as well Daniel O'Mahony is developing into a fine full back mm-hmm. uh, for Cork uh, so there's lots of positives to take from a defensive point of view even though when you look at the scoreline you're going to talk about all, all the forwards obviously Mm. and it's a big result as well in terms of I suppose the battle stay in Division 2 as well because now Limerick are, are facing mountains to climb after today's result Oh yeah I think for Limerick you know spirits are going to be really dampened now and like they're presumed their odds on at this stage to go down you know I think it would be a miracle if they were to stay up in Division 2 from this position mm. four losses and like they've come close in some games um, they've they've been quite good in some of the games but today was just I think it all fell apart a bit and uh, it's going to be really hard to pick it up and go again they, like they go again next week it's going to be tough mm. uh, to try and go and get another performance and to try and go and get two points 
But like that, if they do get two points, it's so close that they're actually going to back in it. So. Yeah. They take on Mead next uh, week at the Gaelic Grounds Cork go to, to clear up to Cusick Park in Ennis. Um, no one's going to get carried away by today's result, Aiden, but John Cleary seems to have really stamped his uh, identity on this team and he seems to have everyone um, singing from the same hymn sheet. And, uh, it seems to have gelled. I spoke to Brian Hurley about this, which we heard last night yeah. on the bigger bench. He's he's really enjoying it, John. You know, he's he's... He's loving it. He loves being the Cork football manager. And I suppose it's always easy today when you come into a press conference, you know, after such a big win, there's no pressure on him. But like he's, you know, laughing and joking uh, with us and, and like he's just enjoying it. And that bears out on the, on the pitch with the players as well. If you have a happy manager, you're going to have happy players. And, and they're, they're, they're now winning games, obviously, they're, and they're competing against top teams also. Um, is it the be, on a, be all and end all if Cork go to Clare and don't win next week probably not but I think just to keep the momentum going it would be great and I think if they do get that win then keep the momentum going you know they're still reliant on other results but you know getting into a final is not it's not out of the mm-hmm. question all of a sudden <laughs> Fantastic result for Cork's footballers today in that big big win over Limerick uh, the Hurlers six point winners over Westmeath today um, what was your view on that game? Look I suppose Cork were never under pressure they were never in trouble in the game they led from start to finish the very first score of the game was a goal from Shane Kingston that was actually set up by Ethan Toomey um, but I suppose then it's a bit disappointing that they didn't stamp their authority on the game more and pull away like the two goals were the difference in the end 221 to 21 points um, but it was just a free count you know like Killian Doyle got uh, is it 13 I think he got all together uh, three from play 10 frees like uh, from centre forward and then there was three more frees put over after he went mm. off as a sub in the last 10 minutes like that free count is what kept Westmead in it but fair play to Westmead because difficult to come here to Parky Cueve you know a Cork that are you know 100% record in the league um, always know they're going to be favourites for a game like this um, fair play to them for coming in and, and giving a, a good battle but like that there wasn't real intensity in it um, so it's just more or less job done for Cork minutes into the legs for some guys experience for like Sweet and Toomey and Ben Cunningham Ben Cunningham got a great score in the first half uh, from near the sideline so I think like that Pat Ryan has really been clever in the way he's used his squad like if you were starting to reel off the list of players that weren't here today for Cork you know uh, obviously Patrick Horgan wasn't here Conor Lehan Alan uh Alan Cadigan mm. uh, the list goes on and on you know and uh, there's there's maybe two or three more I could name there but then if I have to say if you look at that full forward line of Shane Kingston Brian Hayes and Shane Barrett if they were to start Munster Championship you wouldn't bat an eyelid mm. uh, like particularly if they played the way they did today Shane Barrett's really dangerous and he's knocking on the door for a while now and um, it's gonna he's going to be a hard man to take a starting jersey off of Shane Kingston is grown into the role of being one of those kind of focal points and one of those main forwards as well and obviously taking freeze as well maybe yeah. helps that a small bit but Brian Hayes then maybe was at the standout for you know the fact he's one of the younger guys coming into the squad another one of that Finbar's uh, contingent but he just played really really well and he slotted right into that role that we saw Decky Dalton play uh, where he was kind of the focal point of the attack he's getting on high ball laying it off he got two points himself also um, a sign of just a really well coached team at the moment Cork they're they're going through the gears nicely they're let's they're not they're not blowing everyone away let's say you know um, like I think the handicap for today between Cork and Westmead was 18 points no I, I did kind of laugh at that myself when I saw it like yeah. it was never going to be that but you know maybe they would have preferred if they did you know attack on another few scores 
to that but like that they got their couple of goals and that was the difference um, and a bit like the footballers as well a uh, new manager um, in place and Pat Ryan seems to be doing his job quite quietly and efficiently and again I get the impression that these players just love playing under Pat Ryan yeah I think there's so much respect for the man like he just commands that from the players obviously a lot of them know him anyway from working with him at various levels obviously he was uh, in as a coach in 2017 with the with the seniors before and has coached a lot of these young guys to win all Ireland so they trust him and trust is a big thing too you know mm. um, so he just yeah he commands that bit of respect guys like playing under him I think the, the backroom team he's put together is, is really good as well and important um, it's all just coming together quite nicely obviously like that keep uh, keep laid I suppose maybe on the expectations and the whole you know Cork is back and book the hotels uh, <laughs> point of view uh, from things but uh, look all you can ask is that they go win every game they play and yeah. they're doing that at the moment yeah and that's the thing they're doing it quite uh, efficiently I think is the, the, the word I mean like Nobody's getting carried away. We just heard from Pat Ryan there. He's certainly not yeah. getting carried away. He's, he, he knows that there's certainly plenty of room for improvement after today's performance. So nobody's getting carried away, but it is uh, impressive in that Cork seems to be building and building building quite efficiently. I mean, like it is only February. Nothing is given out in February. But it, it, it's very promising. Yeah, like, like there's just no fuss about it. They're building such a deep squad at the moment. They're still picking up their, their, their fair share of injuries as well. But the guys coming in, you know, they're doing their jobs very, very well as well. Cormac O'Brien was really good when he came in today. I think someone we talked a lot about is Tommy O'Connell as well, who who did really well. He started instead of Sean O'Leary Hayes, who picked up an injury, I think, in or actually I think might have been before the warm-up even. Um, but, you know, everyone that's coming in is just doing their job. They're getting on with it and they're, they're, they're impressing. Um, and if, when you add in everyone, if, if Pat Ryan gets that squad fully fit, then we then we'll start getting excited and <laughs> a bit carried away. I think, but um, at the moment, yeah, it's just boiling over nicely, you know. Uh, so very promising, and uh, like that, it's 25 years since Cork have have won a national hurling league title. I think don't look at, don't look ahead to anything else. Go win that league title. Mm. Why not? You know, in in that 25 years, so we can stop talking about it all the time. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, it's it's tipping away nicely, and look, we're only going to learn more and more the more we see them. Yeah, it would be nice. All right. Aidan, I'll let you get home, buddy. Thanks for that. And I'll catch you soon. Thanks a minute. Up United. <laughs> and speaking of Manchester United, uh, they are tuning up on Newcastle into the dying stages here at the Carabao Cup final. Bruno Fernandes just had a chance but United three up at a save from Carrie Suzanne. Not had the worst of games, it has to be said. A lot of focus on him uh, in the build-up to uh, the game this week. Um, so, um, he's done well. He's been solid um, couldn't do much about uh, United's second gun uh, took a big deflection but yeah a lot of focus on him and I think he's look, he stood up and he, he's performed uh, well indeed alright we're going to get reaction from that football game in just a bit we'll hear from John Cleary and from uh, Ray Dempsey uh, first though going to look back on Corksman over Donegal today as they won 5-11 to a point in Mallow in the Lidl National Football League Division 1 clash at Mallow today um, three goals in 15 minutes for Cork they dominant I mean that Shane O'Neill can make 14 subs in the second half Ian Meaning was the only player who started to actually finish the game uh, Libby Cobbinger scored 2-2 Rich Lee scored two goals Orla Cahillan also finding the net Jeremy McCarthy the host of the Women in Sport podcast every Thursday on Cork's with FM and the hardest working person in the business uh, spoke to Cork boss Shane O'Neill Congratulations, that's about as comprehensive a victory as you could ask a team to put uh, put together in a National League game but I mean disappointing that there wasn't more of a challenge in Donegal 
Yeah, look, I suppose I know Donegal are struggling at the moment. That's the reality, I suppose, Jar. And um, you know, I suppose we, I suppose we had to go out and do our job. And I suppose I think we did it fairly well. You know, a lot of the time, look, we were a bit sloppy at times as well. But I suppose sometimes when you're you're kind of so far ahead, it, it is hard to keep the concentration levels going. But look, we're delighted. We got a lot of time into players. Look, players came on today. I know made their debuts and things like that. And you know, they got a couple of scores there at the end. A couple of the girls. So look, we're we're very happy with that. And look, there's. You look, as I said, we're we're building, we're trying to build momentum, um, and I suppose look, we've we've two league games left, uh, you know, and I think uh, you know it's it, it's getting to the business end of the season. So look, we're very happy with a lot of what we did today, but we still look, we know we've got to be better too. But look, it can only be what's in front of you, and look, you know, unfortunately, Donegal, like as I said, they're missing a lot of players, um, they're under pressure with with a few things, a few injuries and things like that. So look, you know, it's not easy for them either. You know, such a long journey down as well. So look, the fairness Donegal, they kept going to the very end. How happy are we with the with the quality of the goals you created and finished? Yeah, look, I think that's supposed something where we've become very good at. I suppose, like you know, even we scored four last week as well, and we got you know we got three against Dublin. So look, it's, we've got that ability in the team, and I think you know we tried out a few different things today, like in a fairness or, or actually banged in two goals from wing back, like so, and, and you know Libby there as well, like was excellent. You know, after playing a game yesterday as well, like you know she was she was just she really was brilliant. Like you know, I think two two of them combined very well. They did four goals between the two of them, and they kind of and they were you know working with each other very well. So look, we're very happy with that. We tried a few new things. We've a few more things we need to try out. And, you know, a couple of more girls to get back, but then um, with a couple of girls missing then as well today, you know, with injury and things like that. So, look, the panel is building. Um, we're happy with we're happy with where we're going. Okay, well, tougher test ahead, as we said. But congratulations, well done today. Thanks very much, John. Yeah, Shannon in there speaking to Jar full time whistle gone at uh, Wembley Stadium, Manchester United, the Carabao Cup champions after that two 0 win over Newcastle. We'll get your report on that one as soon as we have it. Uh, let's hear from Cork's Libby Coppinger. Uh, Libby Coppinger, congratulations. 2-2 from you today. A big win for Cork. One-sided, uh, surprisingly so, but Donegal are missing a lot of players, but you can only beat what's put in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess we're, we were just looking for a result today. Um, you know, I guess we started well, we beat Mayo, but then we kind of, you know, hit a bit of a, <laughs> a bumpy road. So, um, look, we're just happy to be back um, winning ways and, you know, trying to drive on now for our last two games. Um, yeah. And considering you and a few others played Camogie yesterday, uh, you came out here today, you took your two goals very well. You must be pleased with your performance. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I suppose, look, we were we were happy we got the win and that kind of pushed us on from yesterday. So we just wanted to come out again. And look, the lads are minding us as well. You know, they kind of gave us our run and then gave the other girls a run as well. So um, look, you just only have to work as hard as you can for when you're on the pitch. And yeah, we're happy with the result anyway. Um, are you happy with that? The fact that your load is being managed like like yourself and Orla and Hannah were brought off immediately now early in the second half today. There was no need for you to play another 20, 25 minutes. I know you'd like to. <laughs> and I know you three of you would like to, but it's the right thing to do considering what's to come for the rest of the year yeah definitely and look the lads are being so good they're chatting to each other the whole time now um, and that's really all we can ask for you know we are being a bit awkward in what we're doing and it's making things more complicated for them but when they're willing to work together it makes our lives so much easier um, and you know now we're right again for the week coming forward to just manage the load um, and drive on now we have the two weeks off of football but we have a Camogie game next week so it's great that just look we don't have to worry about it they take it out of our hands and we just do what we're told <laughs> Excellent I don't say I do um, just finally I mean obviously Cork now back to winning ways as you said there's tougher tests to come Kerry are next up it's going to be a big game on Patrick's Day hopefully a big crowd out as well mm-hmm. but from your own perspective you know health wise fitness wise everything's going fine and you just want it, the games are coming thick and fast but I would imagine at this time of the year that's what you want Definitely yeah I am um, 
you know, I suppose when we first saw the league fixtures, you were like, geez, there's a lot of games. Yeah. But it's exactly what you want. You know, we can't be having too heavy a load. Hopefully now we have the two weeks off so that could change things. But, um, do you know, having the, you want the games. You want as many games as you can and it's going to put us hopefully in a good position for championship, which is only around the corner as well. So, yeah, look, Carrier unbeaten. We're going to hopefully put on a big performance in our home grounds um, on Paddy's Day and like you said hopefully we'll get a big crowd to support us as well which would be great Excellent stuff best luck with that Thanks for Jerry That's the big commentary speaking to Jar after today's big win over Donegal Right uh, still to come on the show uh, we're going to look back at uh, the footballers win in Parky Cueve and we're going to hear from Cork Posh John Cleary The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Glad you could join us for the bench on this Sunday evening Rory here with you until 7pm Hear me roar with Valerie Mulcahy We'll be back next week with the second part of our conversation with Breach Corkery uh, pushed out to next week but it's uh, worth uh, waiting for it we heard part one last week and if you missed it you can get it on the Big Red Bench podcast very very enjoyable conversation between the two teammates for the second part of that and then we'll wrap it up with a fascinating chat with Claire Shine and that will end uh, season one of uh, Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy it's been a very very uh, enjoyable process putting it all together and it's been really really interesting listening to those interviews so the second part of the Bridge Corkery interview will be on next week uh, let's go back to Porky Cueve um, and that uh, big big win for the Cork footballers today rampant Cork side 618 to 12 points triple scores Cork 36 points Limerick 12 points so it's triple scores for Cork today down in Porky Cueve uh, Cork boss John Cleary certainly a very happy man when he caught up with the Assembly media yeah it was, it was a good win look um, we were kind of hurting a bit you know after last week we, we felt we put up a good performance against Dublin and, and uh, we felt maybe on another day could have won it and the lads were champing at the bit to try and get back here again today uh, we got early scores, got early goals, uh, and I suppose, look, in fairness, um, it, it maybe knocked uh, a bit of confidence out of Limerick, who hadn't won any match so far. So we kind of stressed that before the game, if we could get in there early and get a few scores, and we got the goals, and, and ultimately, then that was a big cushion, and you know, we played with a lot more freedom then and not under pressure. And it looked, it was just one of those days that, you know, a lot went right. Um, I think last week against Dublin we had seven goal chances we only took two and I think we, we, we got most of ours there today and, and that was ultimately the big difference You had about nine or ten goal chances I think today was it, yeah. a, a couple off the crossbar and the disallowed goal as well so yeah. is that something you're working on and, and focusing on this year? I suppose it is but I don't know we'd, every every match we came out of so far we, we've been ruining the goal chances we've missed so we just probably created more today and, 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 and scored more but um, yeah look it's a thing we have been working on during the week and, and luckily enough you know a few of them came off today but they were good goals in fairness when the lads got in there gave the goalie no chance and, and that's the way it turned out today It'll do your scoring difference no harm either uh, in what could be a very tight division Yeah look we, we, we'll see I suppose the most important thing is to get points we just have four now and we've three right hard games coming out we'll continue now next week see what Claire did last night and, and then we've Loud went to meet today and won and, and we've Derry so do you know to be three right right tough games and this next week now will be the three third week in a row probably have a couple of injuries after today but you know that's where the panel comes in and, and as I said we're looking no further now than, than, than in this next Sunday and go up and, and take you on Claire we're a very very good side and, and I know the lads have been stressing like they've found it very hard against them all over the years so I'm sure next Sunday will be no different 
Is, is this a game where you take what learnings you can? can? Can you take too much learnings from it, given that it was really over once the second goal kind of went in? Absolutely. Like, the bottom line, there was only two points still, you know, on offer here today. We got the two points. A performance was probably a, a bonus on top of that. And uh, hopefully that, you know, will give us confidence going forward into into next Sunday. But look, um, the very fact they said we got off to a start that changed the complexion of the game completely. And it didn't allow Limerick to get a foothold in the game. And, you know, if we didn't get those scores, you know, they would have probably hung on for it much longer. And you don't play with as much freedom when if you're, you know, if it's nip and tuck or whatever. And the scores went over in the end there when we were whatever we were 12 or 14 points up and you know they'd fly over all day maybe if the game was leveled that they mightn't be as easily come so that gave us the cushion when we got ahead today look if it comes down to scoring difference we're probably in a healthy position uh, but look the, the most important thing we've got to do in the next few weeks is, is get points on the board John just on the division itself if you're up to third now lose next weekend you could be back down here to relegation but it really is on a knife edge it is it is yeah um you know, a lot of people would have expected Dublin to win handy last night. A lot of people, very few people would have would have expected Lout to, 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 to go to Navin today and win. You know what I mean? Um, so the games are even. You know, Clare were fierce and lucky against against Dublin, fierce and lucky against Kildare. So the games are we could have beaten Dublin. You know, Mead came here and won and lost at home to Lout. So it's very topsy turvy and and should probably go down to the last minute to the last day. So all we can focus now is next next Sunday above and this and that that's what we're going to do. Uh, on today, um, Brian Driscoll starting off with injuries. Uh, yeah, he, he nicked a hamstring. Right. So presume he's gone for next week anyway you know so yeah it, it's it's it, it doesn't it, yeah it does but we're not sure now until we have a look at the chat Brian Hurley was that just precautionary or a shoulder okay. yeah bit of problem with the shoulder but we, we again he, if if they needed he could have probably played on you know what I mean probably precaution yeah and just any further indication on Cahill and severity of that you can you do Cahill is, is seeing a specialist uh, this week it's probably looking like surgery but that hasn't been confirmed yet until he, until he gets to see the surgery so, or see the specialist so I think we'll, we'll know definitely during the week so there's no point in saying but he's, he's gone for the rest of the league anyway definitely you know uh, just finally for me, Chris O'Jones, he wasn't among the goal scorers today, but was probably one of your, your best performances, like six points from play. He's really been showing well this spring when you've given him a chance. Absolutely, yeah. Um you know uh, Chris was in our thoughts as well last year but unfortunately he got injured in, early in the time and Chris previously was a very very good under 20 player and an outstanding club player with Ivalieri there when they won the county uh, two years ago and, and he came straight into our panel but he was dogged with injuries last year but in fairness he put in a huge pre-season and you know he's come back there chomping at the bit and ready to go and you know he's been given a chance and, and, and so far he's, he's done very well you know Reese, why is it the only space that you were affording to during the first half? And I suppose then to capitalise on it and get four names from play for half games. Um, I, I suppose you are like Parky Key was a very big pitch, and and sometimes there, you know, you know, we we found it actually difficult the first time we came in here against Meat as well, and we we gave away too much space, and and it's actually hard to cover if you go defensive there. You you'll probably end up scoring very very little. And um, but I suppose look, when you get four goals in, in I wasn't really looking at the Limerick side of it. I was just seeing how our lads were making the space and getting in there. And um, so to say, was I surprised? I don't really know because it was our side of the fence I was looking at. You know.
And I suppose the fact then that two of them came from Colmenina midfield, you know, that running through the middle, then when it was created that space by the guys in the forward line, you know, to, to capitalise on that, like it shows, I suppose, the fluidity there within the six lads create the space as well. Yeah, without a doubt, we, as I said, look, we have been working on it and we, uh, and, and, you know, they are very, very strong runners and our two half-backs as well, um, Matty and, 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 and Luke are very strong runners and what we try to do is, you know, give them space that they can run into and look, today they did and, and you know, Limerick didn't have the players back uh, to, to stop them and, and they capitalised on it. Johnny, you must be very happy with the, the defence cons- cons- considering three goals the first day against Meath and clean sheets. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Look, we got stung badly that day, and uh, look, I think the lads themselves kind of. Um, and we worked in training, and they're determined there every day they go out. The first thing is to try and keep a clean sheet. You know what I mean? Now we we were lucky today in a couple of occasions. Limerick could have got goals there, particularly in the second half, but didn't. And the um, you know, so again. If if you don't concede goals, you, you'll, you'll probably have a great chance. Goals are big in, 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 in these type of games. So, yeah, happy that we're definitely happy game clean sheet, chat. I know, you probably won't identify one player in particular, but I think Daniel Man, he's really growing into a full-back of some statures, isn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, um, Dan Dan was very good there a couple of years, and again, he, he got dogged with injury, and, and he's had a, you know, he had a fantastic Sigerson campaign as well with UCC, and uh, has had a great pre-season, and um, so, yeah, the, you know, Dan, Dan, Dan is going well, and hopefully it'll continue, yeah. John, just a special jersey today, Cork Ark, any comment on that? Uh, yeah, absolutely, sure, look. You know, there's probably none of us in the room or, or anywhere, even in the lads were saying there, that hasn't been affected by cancer. So, you know, we were absolutely thrilled to, to be able to support the, the charity and give it whatever it needed to, you, you know, to get. So I think it was, it was, it was, uh, we might keep wearing that jersey for Cork today to, to win. So, you know what I mean? It was, it was, and, you know, the lads were absolutely delighted to support it. And I hope the charity did well out of it today because a very, very deserving cause, yeah. Yeah, very well said there by Cork boss John Cleary. Certainly happy with the side's performance today in that big win over Limerick. Uh, Manchester United just uh, raised uh, the League Cup trophy aloft. Uh, Bruno Fernandes and Harry Maguire uh, climbing the steps at Wembley to lift the trophy and uh, big celebrations there for the Red Devils after that win over Newcastle. George Alderman was watching it. It's finished Manchester United 2, Newcastle United nil. The United fans with their scarves up in the air celebrating the victory and their first major trophy since 2017. Both of their goals came in the first half. The first was Luke Shaw's free kick straight onto Casemiro said he thumped his header past Loris Karius giving the Newcastle goalkeeper absolutely no chance and then Newcastle were a bit unlucky with the second Marcus Rashford shot deflecting off Sven Botman and it went down as an own goal against the defender Newcastle gave it everything in the second half to try and get back in the game without really creating too much and they had really Loris Karius to thank that the scoreline wasn't even worse for them in the end their wait for a first domestic trophy since 1955 continues for Manchester United they're turning into a mean winning machine under Eric Ten Hag this their first trophy under the Dutchman they've won the 2023 League Cup Manchester United 2 Newcastle United now
Clean, mean, winning machine is right. Manchester United lifting the League Cup there and uh, trophy for the Red Devils in Ayrton Hag's first season. Uh, let's hear briefly from uh, the Limerick boss Ray Dempsey uh, after uh, today's defeat to Cork. I know um, Cork blitzes there in the first half. Um, you know, they were just moving at a different pace to us and um, they got the rewards from it. What you put it down to, I suppose... Um, they just ran right there in the first half and just seemed to walk through with ease, maybe, one would say, in the first half. Yeah, I suppose, look, um, we've all seen it, too. When, the, when it starts going wrong, it can uh, uh, go badly wrong. And unfortunately for us, um, yeah, they just were um, they were just going for the juggler and the win for it, and fair credit to them. You obviously surely didn't see this coming, I suppose. Uh, what would have been a, a decent enough performance last week, you might have come with a, a, a bit of confidence, even though the, the defeat was there last week, might have given you a bit of confidence coming down here, though. Yeah, we probably had a certain level of confidence, but like Cork are, um, Cork are um, serious enough outfit now, and um, you know they're moving very sharply at the moment, so um, you know our backs were against the wall, and I suppose um, you know the games back to back as well doesn't give you a lot of time to prepare for things. So um, you know we just have to go away again and, and, and keep preparing. You know, and still no victory in it, and, and obviously a demoralising defeat. I suppose today, how difficult is it going to be to pick the players up for next week? We spoke about that in the dressing room. You know, um, whether you, I suppose demoralising is, is correct, but whether you, you know whether you lose be a point or you get hammered, it's still the. The same result and the same effect that um, you know you don't have anything out of the game. Okay, we have to uh, park up, I suppose, the, um, the the demoralizing side of it, and you know move on. And, and, and players themselves have to um, you know move on in the in the context of preparing for next week, and um, you know, just looking to see where they can prove where our learnings are from it, and just the pace really Cork play the game. It was two years quicker than anything we were we were exposed to all year. To be honest with you, you know. Yeah, sounds a bit shell shocked there, as I read MC, but uh, a great win for Cork's footballers today. And uh, super stuff for Cork on the double today uh, down in Porky Cueve. A good win for the hurlers and for the footballers. And um, a lot of focus on the Cork Arc House as well, the Cancer Support House, after their uh, logo on the jerseys um, for the games today. Fantastic initiative and uh, yeah, very, very worthwhile cause. Um, right, uh, we're almost out of time. The, the new Formula One season kicking off next week, the Bahrain Grand Prix uh, getting things underway. Now Sarah McKenzie Foley is the resident F1 expert on the Women in Sport podcast with Joe McCarthy each Thursday afternoon at 12 on redfm.ie. Sarah will now be analysing the races for us on Sundays this season on the bench and Joe caught up with Sarah ahead of the start of the new season. No, it's that time of the week again when we come to the Formula One segment of uh, the uh, Big Red Bench. We're delighted to have a resident Formula One expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley, joining us. How are you, Sarah? Yeah, I'm good. I'm buzzing. We're just one week out now from actual on-track action. So the the anticipation is building, which is great. It is, and I cannot wait. But as usual, there is so much to talk about um, and a lot happening on the build-up to this championship, more so than other years, I believe. But anyway, let's get stuck in because drivers are determined to speak their minds despite further clarification on a new FIA rule regarding approved statements. What is this about, sir? Yeah, so we chatted a few weeks ago about this new rule that the FIA had announced where drivers would have to have permission, essentially, from the FIA to make any political or personal or religious statements and both 
Lewis Hamilton and Lando Norris have advocated for kind of retaining free speech during their respective team launch events recently. And the FIA actually sent out a three-page document to all the teams a couple of days ago, aiming basically to provide further details on what to expect from this rule. And their clarification was, you know, drivers will still be able to express their views in what they're calling their own space outside of a race. So, for example, on social media or during an interview, but they will face sanctions if they oppose this rule in on-track circumstances. So that could be anything from during the national anthem before a race or on the podium, for example, where we have seen drivers kind of, you know, make gestures and statements before. And like these are, you know, the sanctions include everything from a basic warning. They go all the way up to community service, a drop in grid positions. And to date, that's mostly been reserved for things like using more than the allotted number of power units for se- per season. So I understand that the FIA was sort of hoping to clarify this, but if anything, this kind of arm's length list of penalties almost makes things seem even more ridiculous than they did before. And I just think if the rule remains in place and the drivers do start to be penalised for making personal statements, what happens in a scenario where that starts to risk their team standing in a championship battle, for example? You know, it really, it harks back far too closely to me to the World Cup in Qatar just a couple of months back where players were ultimately forced to decide between their moral priorities and their country's sporting achievements. Like this is, you know, I think we're we're definitely far from the end of this um, because at the same time as you have this document coming out from the FIA, you've also got Stefano Domenicali saying, you know, we'll never put a gag order on anyone. So which of which of is which of those is it? You know, what what is it going to be in reality? And I kind of I worry that somebody will end up being the scapegoat or sort of, you know, they'll make an example of somebody um, kind of early on to set a precedent. And I think the whole thing just is just very uncomfortable, really. Where is it coming from, Sarah? Is it because there is more and more influence from the Middle East, from that part of the world? Or am I being too generalistic? Or is it coming from the States where more and more money seems to be flooding into Formula Mm. One? And is this the FIA trying to be politically correct to the point where they're backing themselves into a corner? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it makes the powers that be in the sport uncomfortable that drivers might make any portion of their viewership feel like they they're not they can't relate to them or they don't have the same views as them. But I just think that's that's ridiculous. You know, humans are humans. It's you know, it doesn't matter if you have one driver or 20 drivers, people are going to have opinions. They're going to have feelings about things. And I just don't think it makes any sense to try and censor that. And I think this is really a step in the wrong direction. I I sort of understand the reasoning behind it, but I just think it's absolutely the wrong move. I agree with you. And you've been consistent on this all the way through the summer uh, up to the start of the season. It looks like, all right, that the FAA is going down the FIFA rule um, where outside influences and where the money is coming from is starting to take precedence over what's actually right and wrong and what individuals and human beings have the right to say and not say, whether they're a Formula One driver or a pit crew member or whatever. Um, And uh, you're right. I think this is going to run and run. And uh, considering the amount of time and effort that they're putting into the Netflix and series Mm. to survive and everything, it's it's such bad timing. It's such a bad look uh, for for Formula One. But it's their own making. And 
I, I think I, uh, I think I know what you're saying between the lines. I don't see Lewis Hamilton staying quiet on an issue that no. he's passionate about as one example, and nor should he. Um, but yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see where they go with that, uh, and we'll keep an eye on that as the season progresses. Testing is the big thing this week. Uh, Sarah McKenzie Bowley here on the Big Red Bench, our Formula One expert, talking about the new upcoming Formula One season because testing at this moment, drivers are trying to convert all that sim work into on-track practice, and it's getting very, very close to the first Grand Prix. Yes, absolutely. So there are three day of, days of testing between the 23rd and the 25th of February. So this will be our first time seeing what I like to call V2 of the 2023 season cars because V1 is sort of what we see at the official launch events that have been happening over the last couple of weeks. And then V2 is what you see in pre-testing. And then V3 is the actual car that appears at the first race, which may look very different um, between the stages. And as was the case last year, the teams have been limited to three days of pre-season testing. And it's, it's worth noting that because as recently as 2010, the teams had 12 days of testing. So it has definitely whittled down significantly over the years. Part of the reason being all of the new regulations that launched last year were supposed to stay the same for 2023, which in theory would mean the teams didn't need as much on-track time. And then secondly, obviously, the sport is trying to reduce cost as well. But I think given the gaps that were there in between the teams, they would definitely like a lot more than three days. Mm. I think ultimately what they can, the only thing they can really expect or hope for is some amount of reliability and some amount of long run data because you have to recognize that they can only take very early stage indicators from this limited amount of running. And also during preseason testing, not everybody actually reveals the true performance level of their car. We have things like sandbagging that that happens. So no. I think it's um, <laughs> never. Uh, I think it's uh, it's it's great to get the season underway, but definitely kind of taking everything with, with a, a pinch of salt. Yeah, and I think you're spot on there. You have to at this time of the season. But I love this time of the season when the conspiracy theorists are at their absolute <laughs> maximum. Oh, Mercedes have a new wing. Did everybody see it? And there's photos going all over Twitter. And then you realize that the photos from 10 years ago. And you know, you're know you right. I mean, it leads nicely into our final segment here because teams are keeping what they have very, very close to their chest coming in to Bahrain because you, know, you don't want to give anything away. Every single possible, you know, minute uh, detail that might give you the slightest edge you take, especially at this time of year. But what I love most here is the unknown. Somebody mm. somewhere has done something un- out of the blue and people might see it when the cars get there and they're, you know, they're unpacked and all that. But somebody might just get an edge. And before the likes of Mercedes, before the likes of Ferrari and before the likes of Red Bull get really into their rhythm and their momentum when it's very hard to stop them, this is the time of year for the outsiders, if you want to put it that way. To you know, to make a claim or to make make an impact in that first Grand Prix, and I just love it because it is, as you said, with so lim- with limited testing and with so little news out there at the moment, it's 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 really intriguing to see how this one goes down. Absolutely, yeah, I totally agree, and and we're seeing a pretty big range of sort of expectation setting between the teams. And Mercedes have flat out said they're not expecting immediate results, but they're expecting development to sort of bed in over time and they are still expecting to fight for wins this year whereas Ferrari have been very explicit about their title hopes for 2023 and they're calling their car a total redesign which is interesting because they had they were very strong on performance but low on reliability last year so 
it'll be interesting to see where they've done that redesign to try and strike that that balance. That's Sarah McKenzie Foley, our resident F1 expert, looking ahead to the start of the F1 season. We'll hear more from Sarah uh, as the uh, season progresses right here on the Big Red Bench and the Women in Sport podcast every Thursday at noon with the hardest working person in the business, Mr. Joe McCarthy. That's it from us. Thank you very much indeed for tuning our way this evening. We're back next Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Join us uh, on our podcast, redfm.ie. You can catch up there or you can get it from wherever you get your podcast from. Follow us on social media at Big Red Bench. Mags is up next with Green on Red. Three hours of the very, very best of Irish music coming your way between now and 10 o'clock. Enjoy your evening, folks. Chat soon. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.